Welcome to Men Are the Prize, the podcast. How are you? I hope you're doing well, man. I hope you're having a good week. I hope if it wasn't the best week, you're able to maintain and strive and survive and keep going. Um, this is a very special episode for me in many ways. Um, this is the final episode of the season, and I wanted to make sure that it came out around an important day for a lot of us men, Father's Day. And when I came up with this podcast, this is going to be a safe space for men. We're going to talk about his issues. We're going to do whatever. And in my mind, it was going to be only men talking. Two men about men for men. But as with life, things don't always go the way we expect. I was lucky enough to be, you know, uh, somebody, Carla, who we'll meet in a minute, reached out to me with an idea with something that really is something us fathers deal with. And I'm like, this is such a good idea. And she's going to be on. This is going to be the first female guest on Men of the Prize, the podcast. And before I get to that, I'm going to kind of give you a little something for me. This is a Father's Day pod. So you've listened to this podcast enough to know I've got four kids. I'm a stay-at-home dad with four, a son and three daughters. The first two I wasn't around for, they're from a previous relationship my wife had. The last two, I was there. So both girls, and I was there when each of them came into this world. The first one I saw, her name is Sienna. And obviously it's a special moment when you're dad and you see your child come into the world. And I was there and I held her. and I slept on the, that uncom- uncomfortable chair that night. I didn't go home. I wanted to be there, but everything worked out and everybody was healthy and we went home. And for six months, Sienna hated me she would not deal with me at all. She wouldn't let me feed her. She would cry when I did anything. It was the worst feeling in the world because I went from the high, oh my God, I'm a dad, to the low, like my child doesn't like me. Now, obviously it's nothing personal. It's a baby. She, I haven't done anything to her for her to not like me, but it still felt really bad. So when we become fathers, there's a lot that we go through. There's a lot of emotional ups and downs. Sometimes the babies are just mama. Hey, they have, they're getting breastfed. I'm sure I was the same. It took me a while, but I got past it. But that's just one of many issues we may, you know, that may happen. And we're going to talk about another one that some of us fathers deal with. A lot of us, when we have a child and all of a sudden we aren't the center of the universe, somebody comes in and takes our place. And we're going to talk about it. And we are going to talk about it with Carla Crivara, and here's her biography. Carla is a trauma-informed and certified sex, love, and relationship coach. She works with men and women internationally to experience delicious sex. I love delicious sex, that's so great. Profound love and authentic relationships. Carla is currently creating awareness about how men can feel isolated, rejected, and miss intimacy with their partner when they enter into parenthood. She has named this phenomenon the forgotten father. I introduce you, Carla. Welcome to the podcast. How are you? I'm really well, Harvey. Thank you so much for sharing also your story at the um, at the beginning. You know, that was, I really felt for you and, and how that sort of feeling of rejection, because even though we know cognitively right. that that, you know, isn't, is, is, you know, of course the child wants to spend time with my mate. Right. you know you still feel that and you still experience that and um 
Yeah, so thank you for showing that. That means um, that means a lot to to hear that for me, but also I imagine for the men listening, because no doubt there'll be some of them listening now that are thinking, oh gosh, I had something similar or mm-hmm. yeah, this happened to me. And, and, you know, for me, this is what today's conversation is about. It's about making men aware that these things happen, these feelings exist and it's quite normal. And, you know, there is a way to support yourself through that. Definitely. This is going to be an important conversation. Um, I remember this um, with my daughter because I think for me, and this is the last bit, I'll, last time I'll talk about myself, my, we lived in New Jersey and my wife, obviously, when you have a child that doesn't talk to the other parent, she's pretty much it. She needed to get away and she drove to DC, Washington, DC, which is about a four to five hour drive from where we were to drive and come back, which means I was with Sienna. This child would not let me feed her. She cried almost the entire time. It's almost eight to 10 hours where she was there. I had a bottle. I had breast milk. I warmed it up. It was everything. And she would not deal with me. So it was one, I'm like, what am I doing wrong? Two, she needs to eat. It's just an emotional roller coaster. And clearly it's nothing compared to, you know, what a woman goes through coming into this room, you know, having a child but it was definitely not the introduction to fatherhood that I expected. So it was definitely, definitely a surprise, but you know, she's now we're cool. She's 12, you know, we're all good. I don't remind her about that. I I do remind her whenever she's, you know, you know, you you know, (laughs) give her a guilt trip for a second, but we move on. (laughs) But that's, that was just my story there. Um, If you've listened to this podcast before, you know why it's called men are the prize. Is because I like those letters in the word prize. So I take those letters, I give them characteristics, and then we talk about it. It's going to be different because we have a woman here with us. Fantastic. We're going to change up the letters and we're going to use those letters to talk about the forgotten father. Before we start though, last thing, you know, I love a good quote. Here's my quote before we get started. Dads are most ordinary men turned by love into heroes adventurers, storytellers, and singers of song. That is by Pam Brown. When you become a dad, life changes all of a sudden. Well, eventually for me, you become your child's hero. You become the the man that they see, the man that they measure every other man to. We take it seriously. And I know as you're listening, if you are a father, you know exactly what I mean. And if you're going to become one, you know what that feeling is going to be like. So think about that quote as we do this. All right, Carla, are you ready? Yes. Fantastic. (laughs) All right. So the forgotten father, and I kind of mentioned it, but obviously this is something that professionally you deal with, but it's also something that I would imagine personally you dealt with also. So do you want to kind of give us as much as you want to talk about? Give us a story. How did you kind of fall into this? Yeah. So um, my husband and I, we were um, in what is called a mother and son dynamic um, a few years ago, which meant that I was quite, um, you know, I I was like the nagging partner, really frustrated about what I saw as his lack of support in the house and the general chores and just, you know, being present. Um, I started to make changes in my, you know, in in myself and my own self-development and the way that I spoke and, and dealt with him. And because that obviously, you know, when you make a change in how you treat a person, they're going to adapt 
to that as well. And so my husband started making those changes. So when I became certified as a sex loving relationship coach, I wanted to help women be that change for their husbands. So, you know, um, giving them that space to, um, you know, make mistakes. So, for example, you know, a big one was, you know, you'd ask a man to do something around the house, they do it wrong. And then you just criticize them immediately, forgetting that, you know, I used to also make the same mistakes. It's just from a lot of practice that I wasn't making them anymore. Um, so a lot of it initially was educating women of actually giving men space to make mistakes. And because I was talking quite a lot about this mother and son dynamic, I started having, you know, men reach out to me understanding, you know, as I was trying to explain to the women what the men were feeling based on the conversations that I'd had with my own husband. Yeah, men were starting to really fully identify with what I was talking about. So, you know, a lot of the men that come to me are, as you said, you know, at the beginning, feeling isolated, rejected and missing intimacy um, with their partners, because for a lot of men, the only access to intimacy that they have is with a woman. Men are conditioned from a young age to keep their emotions in, to not express themselves. You know, if you want to be a, a real man, you have to behave in a particular way. There's this sort of like idea of the man box. To, to be a man, you need to fit in this idea of what a man is. And, you know, this creates a real problem because when men are in a situation where they're struggling, they just don't know how to, they don't know how to, first of all, speak to anybody about it. They don't know how to communicate and they don't know how to ask for help. Um, so, you know, the behavior that we tend to see when men become fathers is this inability to deal with all those emotions. So the emotion that, for example, that you were feeling, Harvey, of like rejection from, from, you know, your, your baby Sienna, a lot of men aren't able to move on from that and carry that feeling of rejection as they move through into fatherhood, because that becomes for them their story. And they're always looking for that story to continue so they're always looking for the negative elements of that rejection that continues to show up you know it's really great that you've worked through that and you've not held on to it but unfortunately you know there will be men that experience that and hold on to that and embody it and it becomes almost a part of their identity you know I'm not good enough my child doesn't want me you know um they're not able to speak to their partner in the same way and you know something that I noticed that you said as well and I just want to give men the opportunity to say that you know your experience is really valid so you know I know as a woman I carried the baby for nine months and I gave birth and my experience is valid but hardly yours is as well because you said something like it's nothing compared to what my wife went through but she's just on a completely different journey so, you know, if we remove that comparison of who has it worse and we just accept and validate an individual's experience and we see them in that, that is so, so valuable. So, you know, your wife's experience is not relevant to the conversation because right now it's the validation of your own experience and how you lived through that. And that is just as welcome as a discussion is anybody else's experience about anything in life? And, you know, I think that's really important because it's creating that distinction of an individual being allowed to speak about their own experience means that they feel safe 
and that they feel really seen. And when we feel seen in our own experiences, we can then choose different behaviors and we can choose to move forward and we can, um, yeah, we can make huge changes in, in the way that we live our life and the stories that we tell ourselves. Thank you. I appreciate that. That's, that's, I think with childbirth and pregnancy, the whole thing, I think once the baby's born, we, we as dads, and maybe it's true, maybe it's just something in our minds that we kind of feel we're put to the side because we're not going through it physically. We're not actually birthing the child. So we feel secondary in the process. Yeah, for sure. And that's what a lot of the men come to me are experiencing. Just, you know, as I was saying, it's that that conditioning that you, you know, you don't have access to intimacy or those depths of relationship with anyone. Normally it's, it's a female partner. Obviously our conversations around cisgendered heterosexual relationships, but you know, so of course some, a, a third enters your relationship, you know, a completely new dynamic. It makes absolute sense that the man is just like, Oh my goodness, me, where am I? Who are like, how do I navigate this? And no one is supporting men in navigating it either. And, you know, this problem in inverted commas can actually begin, um, you know, when the partner, um, when the wife or partner is is pregnant, because, you know, you see the bump getting bigger, she's going to her hospital appointments, she's talking about all of these different things. And, you know, even though the men are really excited, the decision-making process starts to be removed almost from men. So, you know, um, how they're going to decorate the nursery, you know, how they're going to um, approach the parenting, you know, the women tend to throw themselves into it and do a lot of research. And so, you know, for me, a lot of it has also been educating women around the forgotten father on, well, you know, if the man isn't helping out, in the way that you want to with regards to the baby, how much of a decision process, how much, how involved in the decision making process has he been in, you know, for him to be able to feel empowered enough to want to partake in whatever it is that you've decided, you know, maybe what you say is is completely valid and they will agree with it. But if you never give them the option to, to make a decision. So for example, you know, buying a pram, um, you know, while pregnant, if you just go and buy it and you never get the man involved, you're, you're gradually removing him from the conversation. And it makes it even more difficult when the baby's born and, and the baby is attached to the mother for a man to sort of, in a way, you know, be, be involved. And then, you know, we are not taught to communicate. Um, you know, uh, one of the, the biggest issues that um, the men that come to me have is, you know, how to ask for what they want. You know, one of the very first things that we look at first of all, is boundaries because of this situation that the dynamic has, has become, the women quite often will speak to the men in quite, you know, a disrespectful way. And, you know, I'll be honest, I did exactly the same. So, you know, I hold my hand up and, and that was also me. Um, so the very first thing that, you know, we're working through is giving them permission to have boundaries to say, I want to listen to what you have to say, but I won't allow you to speak to me in that way. Um, and you know that in itself is massive and for men to step into those boundaries in a, in the most respectful loving way to their partner as well um, is huge and it creates a, a completely different um, yeah dynamic in, in in how the couple relate to each other and then the next step is 
you know, um, what does the man actually need in the relationship? You know, because, you know, as a woman, as a mother, I never looked at my needs. And we just think in some way that the men are looking at their needs. But when they come to me, it's very clear that they don't have their own desires. They don't really know what they want from their relationship. So, you know, helping them find those wants and needs is, is really, really important so that then, you know, with the skills that we work through together, they learn to be able to communicate those to their partner. Excellent. All right. This is interesting. Okay. So what I'm going to do here is I'm going to change these letters up. I'm going to same letters, different words. And hopefully we can kind of go through a little bit of the process when Carla has a man come to her who is a father in this particular situation. And we'll go from there. So as usual, the first letter in prize is P and the word is purpose. So what do you think your purpose is when you're talking to a man who's coming to you, who I guess exhibits, you know, the characteristics of the forgotten father? Um, the very first thing, my purpose is to listen. Um, one of the reasons being is they've not had that opportunity. I do get men that have come to me and previously been in couples therapy. And because they tend to be in that mother and son dynamic, the therapist or the counselor, who's often a woman, tends to sort of take the blame onto the man because he's not doing enough around the house. So, you know, they've had this constant story of invalidation. So the very first thing the purpose that I have is for them to feel safe and to be able to speak and express what's going on for them in a place that feels um, supportive. How easy is that for the men that you see? Um, well one of the very first things that I say to the men who come to me is that they are very welcome to cry um, and I always check that they've got a glass of water and some tissues um, and yeah, when I say that, they say, why am I going to cry? And I, well, yeah, all the men that come and see me cry because we, we're touching on really intimate right. things. So yeah, sooner or later at what, in one of the sessions, yeah, you're going to cry. And I think sometimes when you give people permission or acknowledge that that's a possibility, their nervous system almost relax and they give themselves permission to be able to, to do that. That's good. That's good. That's one of the things my wife is uh, not a fan of. I'm not a crier. It's just not really in my nature. I don't know. I, I guess I'm stoic, but that's what men are supposed to be anyway. So I've been there to see two babies come into the world. I had a hospital stint. She's had a hospital stint, but you know, like we, we got married, we had vow renewals. Like you don't cry for anything. You, know? <laughs> you, need, you need to come into, you need to come into session with me, Harvey. I'll get oh, you crying. <laughs> I believe you. I'm flying. <laughs> okay. But I think it's interesting. I think for me, if I were doing this for this specific reason, talking about being a father, one, I'd, I'd need to feel comfortable talking because it's a big deal. But for me, I need to be comfortable with who I'm talking to. So the next letter in the word prize is R, the word is rapport. So how do you build a rapport with the men? How do you make them comfortable to really get it? Because you can just, hey, you can cry, here's some water, here's some tissues. But how is a guy like comfortable? I'm deep in that couch or that chair. And I'm just like, I'm just burying my soul. What do you do to make that man that comfortable? Um, a lot of it is listening to what they're saying and repeating it back and reflecting back. And also acknowledging as well, why they might be feeling like that. 
you know so put sometimes putting the pieces together that they might not see themselves and saying to them it makes complete sense that you feel lonely if you were in a relationship with somebody and another you know um person comes into your relationship that makes total sense and also you know as I did before with you you know when you said when you were making comparisons to to your your own experience and your wife's let's separate that your experience is completely valid however that shows up your feelings and emotions are completely welcome in this space so you know ensuring that when they are there they're there for themselves because I do see this Harvey I do see what you've done is that men will sort of in a way make excuses for the partner because she's struggling with this and she has this problem and she has that problem and my question always comes back to well how do you feel about it and that's one of the most difficult questions that that you know men that have worked with me has said is answering that question how do I feel about it because a lot of the time they're not really sure they've been so concerned with not upsetting or rocking the boat you know, with their partner, that they haven't even checked in for a moment how they feel. Sure. Nobody asks us that. And especially when a baby is born, and we really aren't asked because how we're feeling, our, I don't know, our psyche, our confidence, all these things are really way back. How's the baby doing? Is she eating? How's the breastfeeding? It's a lot of these things that really, so the fact that you get, I know I probably couldn't even answer that question myself. What do you mean? How do I feel? Like, that's the first time I've heard that. So it has to be a difficult question to hear and even harder to answer. So that's, I, I'm with you. I, I know I'd be that guy. Like, you really want to know? <laughs> so we'll keep it going. So we're at I, and typically I don't even put a word for this, but I'm going to in this case. So we know why we're coming to see you. And we've built a level of comfort to speak with you. But I wonder if you have any men who, okay, I can talk to you, but maybe not ready to kind of get into the nitty gritty because we can talk about, oh, I don't feel good about this and whatever, but the, I'm going to use the I for the word as Intel. Do you get men who find it hard to like really get into it and give you a situation? Like, this is why I'm really upset. This particular thing happened and it always happens and it's always my fault. And I don't know what to do about it. And if that's the case, how do you get that? How do you get that openness from me? Okay, so the intel, the approach that I use, it's um, it's called the body mind. So um, what we do is we tune into the body. So you know, we they create a goal or a desire that they want to achieve with their partner. They create a, a full reality where they close their eyes, they immerse themselves in this reality. And then what happens is within the body, some resistance shows up. So they might get a pinch feeling in their tummy or a tightness in their heart. And what we do is we tune into that because these sensations in our body are emotions and our emotions always communicate to us in some way. So they don't need to do it on a cognitive level. They're doing it in a somatic level and somatic means related to the body. So, um, so we do it in that way. And also we do it exploring their own inner child. So I don't know if you've ever heard of inner child work, but, you know, when we are children, certain patterns and behavior that we have as adults were actually created during our childhood and we take them through to, to now. And we have created within us a series of subpersonalities throughout our, well, throughout our childhood and our adulthood. 
And what we do is we explore that inner child because quite often what's happening for men is their own behavior to the situation is coming from a place of their own inner child. And three of the ways that men tend to behave is withdrawal. So they will detach themselves from the family. Maybe they'll work longer hours. Maybe they will um, work at weekends or if they're at home, they'll find jobs to do. They're always busy and not connected to the actual family. You know, so the mother might say, let's go. Um, you know, take take the child to the zoo and they'll be like, oh, well, I've just got this job to do. And they, you know, withdraw. You've got another one, which is they tend to um, overcompensate. So, you know, they apologize for things that aren't their fault. They are um, self-abandoning, people-pleasing, and they have literally no boundaries and can start to feel emasculated. The third approach is um, one where, you know, any attention is good attention. So what they'll do is they'll make comments at their partner, you know, pick at them, say things that aren't so nice or pleasant, passive aggressive sort of quips, that type of thing, because they're so in need of some sort of attention that unconsciously, because all of these behaviors aren't done at a conscious level, the learned behaviors from a child, from their inner child, so, you know, any attention is good attention. The problem is with that type of attention that a man is seeking, he then feels a lot of shame because he's upset his partner. And then with shame, because shame is such an uncomfortable emotion, you know, there becomes a bit of anger and resentment. And if we've not learned to process that, we then project it back out. And who do we project it out onto? Back onto the partner. And then you end up in this sort of, you know, vicious cycle. So, Tuning into the inner child and how the inner child feels and giving the inner child a different um, role or purpose or even just giving, you know, saying to the inner child, you know, it, you're not the person responsible in my relationship. I'm going to find another part with inside me, you know, um, and another inner masculine part that can take this role as a, as a father, as a husband, as a partner, as a caregiver. Um, and, you know, saying to the inner child, I'm going to allow you to just play and to just be there. And, you know, while I deal with all of the adult stuff. So sometimes this realization from a man that their behavior is something that, you know, is um, automatic, um, unconscious, you know, but then knowing that once we bring awareness to it, we can start noticing it and decide to do differently can be massive. So this these elements of intelligence. So really tuning into the body and, and, and getting the information that way. And, you know, it's funny because you said, you know, how do you get that information? Cause it's really difficult to talk to. And, you know, quite often the men that I work with say to me, you know, when it's coming up to the time that we have a, a session, Carla, I really feel like canceling just because I don't know what's going to come up. It's going to be really, really difficult and really painful and it's really uncomfortable. But I always go away after the session feeling good. So I just hold on to the fact that at the end of it, <laughs> I'm going to come out of it feeling better. You know, I just need to get through the, the, the session because it is, it's difficult being so vulnerable and looking at, you know, the parts of you that feel rejected and wounded and lonely, you know, it, it is, it's difficult. It's difficult for, for men. It's difficult for women. It's difficult for everybody. And I think, I think definitely for men, because, you know, vulnerability for men is, is, 
really seen as a weakness. Whereas in actual fact, I think that vulnerability can be their biggest strength because when men really start to tap into that part of themselves and they do it in a really grounded way, their ability to hold space for their partner really increases. So true. So true. Vulnerability is one of my favorite words. I love it. And it's a big word for this whole season with people I've interviewed. Um, to be vulnerable, to open up, it's it's hard. And it's so interesting. We're men, we're just built, we're physical, we do things, but something that doesn't require a tool, doesn't require, you know, any manual labor, but some work on the inside is a really hard thing to do. We're not really raised to do it, and you know, that's the case, but to kind of sit down and say, you know what? Yeah, I'm going to let you into my head, into my heart. It's it's daunting, but like anything, you know, anything that's hard, it's necessary. So I imagine these men leave there, you know, wiping their tears, but feeling good about themselves. And so my question, just to kind of go off of this. So we men, we're kind of going through this with a forgotten father. We have these issues. We have these emotions. We don't know, really know how to deal with them. If at all, do men take these emotions and are they, do they put them upon their kids? How do they respond to these situations? Do they treat their children differently, maybe subconsciously because they're not feeling the intimacy or not getting sex or anything? How do some men handle that with their kids? Yeah, well, you know, as, as we said a moment ago, you know, you manage to, you know, with th- that feeling of rejection from your daughter, you manage to overcome that. But a lot of men don't. So if you're feeling constantly rejected, and you're behaving from a place of inner child, if you think of how a child deals with rejection, you know, they might sulk, they might try to manipulate, they might try to make you feel guilty, you know, and so yeah, men can behave in in those ways to, to, to get that attention. And they will, you know, the, the three ways that we talked about before, the withdrawal, the overcompensating, mm-hmm. um, and you know, the picking, of course, that's going to affect their children. Their children are watching. They're learning how a man behaves in this world. This is how men behave. So, you know, the woman is upset about something. How the man responds in that moment is teaching a child, you know, what the expected behavior is. They're always learning. You know, every time I see my ch- one of my children, because I've got an eight-year-old and a nearly five-year-old, um, when I see one of my children behaving in a way that's, you know, not appropriate, I'm like, oh my God, that's mine. Or, oh my God, that's my husband's. And, you know, it's, oh my God, it's so, you know, it's like, they learned that from me. <laughs> yeah, you're laughing, there you go. And, 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 that, and that's it, you know? Mm-hmm. And when you start to bring your awareness to your own behavior mm-hmm. and you start to recognize it, and then you see your children doing it. Because mm-hmm. when we say, oh, you're so like your dad or you're so like your mom, of course they are. Mm-hmm. they're watching us that's interesting that's it because we you know we'll jump on that when a child does something i know my children are polite they'll see somebody they say they say hi and we'll be the first to say you know that's my kid that's where i raise him but then if my child were to have some tantrum and you know, then, then, then you don't want to claim them then that makes complete <laughs> sense you got to take the good behavior with the bad too that's your child they are very much a mirror of us that's kind of what i tell my kids listen i send you out into the world and to a degree, you are my agent into the world. My son who's 18, when you go out into the world, if you're a gentleman, if you're respectful, people who know you know who your father is. 
and what kind of man he is. So that's a really good point. I appreciate that. You have to keep that in mind because those aren't my <laughs> kids when they do something wrong in the world of my life. <laughs> but I like that. Oh my God. The next letter is Z. The word is zeal. So in a situation like this, um, I can say I kind of felt it a little bit when you know your wife is focusing on your child and you're looking for intimacy, it doesn't have to be sex, but it could be a hug or anything. And you kind of lose that drive for a while. Like, I don't know if it's ever going to happen or what's taking so long. So when you're having these conversations, these sessions with men, is part of it trying to get them to want it again? I don't know if it's ever a case where they don't want it, but if it's such a bad situation where they don't even desire it because they don't feel like it's going to happen, is that something you have to work on to listen? You should want um, intimacy with your wife. You should want to have sex. You should want to cuddle. Is that something you have to work on when you talk to these men? Yeah. So um, because I do coaching, it's about looking at their goals and desires because when people have their own drives and they want to move sort of forward to something because they see it in themselves they're more motivated to go for it when it's their own goals and desires but yeah there are conversations that we can have to to see if it's something that you know men want to explore and it's interesting that you mentioned the word desire because you know desire can be affected for men you know especially when they have been present for the birth um because you know you know, whether it's a C-section or whether it's, um, you know, a vaginal birth, you know, you'll probably remember yourself, Harvey, everything's happening to your partner, you know, midwives or doctors, everybody's talking to her, she's in pain, you know, everything's going off. And you're like, I am not able to do a thing. Mm -hmm. And that not being able to do anything is quite frightening, you know, like, you can't make it better. You can't hurry it up. You know, like, shall I rub her back shall I not shall you know if I say something is it just going to upset her or is it you know like and even if you've been to hypnobirthing classes and you've had you know really great antenatal classes anyway the moment that it's all happening all of that stress that's going through your body but you're trying to hold it together for your partner because she's the one that's going through it all of that stress is in your body and your nervous system is connecting the experience of birth to what's going on in your body. So your body is like, you know, your, and your body needs to remember certain experiences where it feels danger or it feels fear. It needs to remember them to be able to protect us from them in the future. And, you know, just to give you an example, you know, thousands of years ago, you know, we have been wired as human beings at, if we see a tiger, we need, neither need to run away from it or we need to, you know, fight it or maybe lie on the floor and pretend to be dead. So our bodies behave automatically in a way to danger. And we, our bodies remember that danger for the future and it's a way to protect us. The problem is, you know, during birth, if men aren't given the opportunity to process afterwards what happened during the birth, the emotions and the fear that they were feeling, their body remembers that. So next time they come to see the cesarean scar, that scar, even though it doesn't affect them in the case of whether or not the woman's attractive or not, the scar reminds them of the cesarean and how they felt in that moment. Or, you know, when they see their partner, they just, 
you know, just seeing their partner herself can remind them of how they felt in that moment or when they see the partner holding the baby, how they felt in that moment or even seeing their partner's vulva, you know, later on when they see it again, even if it's, you know, pretty much back to normal, just the, the body's memory of that experience can stay with it. So, yeah, men's desire can be affected. And, you know, I want to make it really clear for men that this isn't like, um, again, it's not cognitive. It's something that your body has has learned in a way to protect itself for the future so that it doesn't. So the body's not been put in that situation again. So working, you know, men know that they want to have desire for their partner, but they're just not sure how to, to get there. So, yeah, so we work at, um, work at, at moving forward at creating desire. Um, so, yeah, so I would say that desire is, is quite a big one. And there was another question as well that you asked in that, Harvey. So desire and... It was just whether or not, if men maybe lose that, maybe, you know, when you try something and it's, you can, if you can take it out of being, you know, being a parent or an expectant father, sometimes we men, when we kind of want to have sex and we try and we try and we try and eventually it's apparent she's not interested, then you just kind of fall back. So is that something that can happen too? That one is massive. And I'd say, you know, the, the, um, explanation about the whole desire happens not as common as the rejection because of course you know you make a move and you someone says no and it's like okay you know she's not feeling it tonight and then you know you make a move again and it's another no and she's like all right okay you know she's still not but then you know when you've had a series of no's after a while you'll it makes absolute sense that you're going to internalize that And, you know, from a mother's perspective, you know, having a baby all the time, you know, you tend to feel really, really touched out and really like you need your own space because you're with a small human or you all the time. You just need I need space. I need to be by myself. I need to reconnect to who I am as a human being because I'm not just a mother. I'm so many different things, Um, you know, and then the pressure of what feels like pressure from your partner is, is really difficult. And overwhelming but then you know from the side of the man those constant rejections are really really difficult so again you know you get those three behaviors that I talked about withdrawal you know attacking and and over pleasing your partner any sort of way to get get that connection and one of the very first things you know because sometimes you know men that come to me haven't had sex with a partner for years so, you know, you do get people, it's been quite a few weeks or a few months and very irregular, but it's not unusual for it to have been years since they actually had sex. So one of the very first things that we're looking at is just to be able to touch each other in a non-sexual way and learn for men to relearn that a no isn't about them. And so there's, um, if people want to Google it, it's... Um, it's a game by um, Betty Martin. It's called the three minute game. And this is a really great way of um, men and women learning to be able to listen to their own bodies and say, you know, yes, I want that touch or no, I don't want that touch. Um, and then for somebody to ask how they want to touch somebody 
or not touch somebody. Um, and that's, you know, a very, very brief explanation, but I really recommend people go in and check out that video. Um, and that's one of the things that I do, and it's completely non-sexual. It's, it could be like a head massage or a foot massage or just scratching the back of somebody's hand. It literally is not sexual. And, you know, once we have learned how to communicate what we want to receive and what we want to give and what we are happy to receive and what, what we are happy to give, once we have created that container of really safe communication then we can move on to um intimacy um and and touching parts of the body which could have previously had a certain amount of charge to them and the reason that we can do that is because we have learned that the no isn't necessarily about us the no is what the other person is feeling is right for them in that moment What you were talking about before, it's obviously because this podcast is for men and I kind of, I'm in my experience and I'm hearing it. We yeah. men are raised to be, you know, I like the word stoic and problem solving and taking care of family and our, and our, and our partner. But as you were talking about it, I find it ironic that you kind of, you know, I'm necessary for a child to be born. So, but at the time when a child is going to be born is when I feel and the most helpless. You have, there's nothing you can do that where you should, I, I kind of feel like I'm, I feel like I'm such a man because I ha, I'm helping bring this child into the world, but I can't do anything to help bring this child into the world. It's this dichotomy of I'm a man, but I'm really not, but I really am. But it's such an interesting when you mentioned that is that it's both sides of the coin, real man, but really, I don't know. So it's and this is and this is the problem because you know if you don't feel empowered during the birth and the birthing process you take that with you when you become a father because already the story you have created from birth is I can't do it I can't fix it I'm not good enough and you of course you're going to take that into fatherhood you know I remember when my eldest was born um you know I'm, I'm seeing my husband been rooted on the spot and just not able to advocate for me whatsoever um you know because he was in a complete overwhelmed experience and then the first couple of weeks afterwards you know he just yeah he he was completely overwhelmed about the responsibility and just didn't know what to do for the best and you know it took him a while to really tune into being able to create um a relationship almost with with our son um a relationship where he felt that the son you know our son was um was really wanting him and was really you know um accepting of him because you know you've already internalized that you're not good enough so then you like I said before you hold on to that story you look for patterns automatically and this is an unconscious process you know it's not something that you stand there and think well, I'm not good enough. So now I'm going to look for every opportunity where I'm not good enough. You know, it's, um, you probably aren't even aware of the stories that you tell yourself. So for a lot of the men, you know, that I work with quite often, I give them um, a little image for their home screen, for their phone with the question, what am I making this mean? So every interaction with their partner, you know, what am I making this mean? What story am I telling myself about myself in this interaction? Wow. Wow. That hit me. I do that now. I'm just like, we have a situation and I'm like, in my head, I've built myself up either as the villain 
for the victim. It's wow. That's so true. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I may have to fly out, Carla. So <laughs> <laughs> it's all right, Harvey. I work on Zoom. <laughs> nice. <laughs> okay. So with that, we hit the final letter in the word prize. It is E and it is expectations. So obviously the situation is the same, but the men you talk to are different. So when you're talking to a man, talking to men about this, do each, do men in general have different expectations, what they're going to get out of it? Do you have expectations for the men after they spent time talking to you, they've had sessions? What's the point? What's, what should they leave with? What do you want the men to leave with after dealing with the forgotten father, I guess, syndrome? So um, for me, you know, their goal is for whatever they want to achieve. So because it's coaching, they come in with a goal and a desire. Um, myself, personally, I want to see men coming away from the coaching experience with what I want every human being to have, which is recognizing that they need their own self-care, recognizing that they need boundaries. And just to let you know, when I mean self-care, I don't mean, you know, that they have to go um, and, and, and play soccer or football or whatever it might be. But, right. you know, self-care in the sense of boundaries, are, you know, stating boundaries are, are self-care. Self-care is understanding what feels good to me right now. You know, self-care is, do I need to be on my phone getting triggered by all of these different arguments on Facebook or, you know, what's good to me right now. So, you know, self-care can look like that. Um, you know, my expectations and my hopes for men, you know, when they leave is that they have tools that they're able to communicate better with the partners that they have, that they're able to listen and they're able to listen in a way that they're not replying automatically, that they're actually letting it sink in. And acknowledging that when somebody is talking about how they feel, that it might not be related to the man himself. They're just expressing how they feel in that moment. And that sometimes when we express how we feel, we're not necessarily looking to be fixed. We just need to get something off our chest, you know. And mm -hmm. as you said before, men are wanting to fix. Sometimes the best way is just to sit there and listen you know, maybe repeating back what they're saying to to check that you've understood and just being there. And that is huge for anybody, whether you're a man or a man, woman, the fact that someone is taking the time to listen is massive because, you know, some men come to me saying, you know, they want to learn empathy. And I'm like, you're all, you already have empathy because you wouldn't be here wanting to do something different if you didn't have a certain element of empathy. What you're missing is the skills to listen. And to hold space for both of you while you listen to somebody. Because as I was saying before, when somebody is talking, quite often we get into our own head about what we are making the situation mean. So can you listen to somebody and at the same time, listen to the stories that you're making yourself? And so, yeah, my expectation is that when men go away, that they are always listening to the stories that they're telling themselves and choosing the stories that are going to be more supportive in their growth rather than the ones that aren't. Fantastic. It's, I'm hearing you and we're just talking, obviously we're talking about a specific situation, but I have three daughters. So listening is just something I'm truly working on because, you know, there are times when she's saying something, and I'm just, 
and I don't know, I don't know if it might just be a personal characteristic of mine, maybe I'm trying to fix, maybe I'm defensive. Sometimes can't solve a problem. Sometimes you just need to hear it described and just hear, and my 16 year old, she's at the height of teen girldom and such. And sometimes I just need to shut up and, and just, okay, I felt this way, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, why did you feel, no, 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 don't worry about that. Okay, this is what you felt. I understand you felt this. It's, a, it's such a work in progress. And you know we can talk about it dealing with a spouse or a partner and a baby, but these are, sounds like really good tools that you can use forever. If you can deal with your spouse, then you can deal with your children and you can deal with friends, you can deal with family. It's, this is obviously something that is far reaching. So yeah. this is, so this is excellent. So I'm, 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 I'm enjoying this. I'm learning. I'm loving this. Um, I'm trying to think. So thanks for answering the questions in terms of, you know, prize and that word. Mm-hmm. Um, I find this really interesting. I'm a father of four. I love being a dad. And any time I can find a way to improve being a father, I'll take it. So thank you so much for all this. Um, now it's time to talk about you. I appreciate the time, all the information you gave. Tell us about you, where people can find you, what you do. This is, this is the Carla show. Give it all to us. Let's go. So, um, yeah, you can find me on my website, which is www.carlacrivaro.com. I do have um, Instagram, but because I talk about sex and Instagram is not really keen on me talking about sex because I've had a few shadow bans. Um, I tend not to really use social media, if I'm going to be honest with you, just because the amount of time and effort and then I get told off and a slapped wrist for right. educating, you know, men on, on pleasure or women on pleasure. It's just, right. yeah, it's, it, it's difficult to do that. So the best place is website. I have frequent I frequently put articles on there so you know the men that are listening are welcome to share the articles around the forgotten father with their partners to open up the conversation so that you know that they can actually you know listen to themselves but also you know because I I, I do lots of talks for, for mothers around this making them aware of the forgotten father so that they're not taking the man's um behavior so personally so I you know I think this is really important that you know, the men that are listening, when the women that they have in their lives, including their own mothers and, and you know, any other women that, that they're educated on this as well, that, you know, we are all behaving in a way that is from a, a wounded place that needs healing. And we're not bad people. It's just, you know, habits that we've created to protect ourselves. So I was going off on the tangent again there. So yeah, so the web, my website is the best place to to read what I'm doing. And also I always put links to podcasts that I've been on as well. So, because obviously it depends on the audience, will depend on the information that I'm sharing. So they're welcome to see me there. Fantastic. I will put up all the links in the episode notes so you can find Carla and reach out. And I think a lot of men hearing this will find a place of solace, somebody to talk to, to kind of get these emotions out. Um, this is the final actual episode of this season. Tomorrow is a very special episode. And typically it's just my voice, just male voices. But this episode, first female voice. But tomorrow is a lot of female voices. 
a lot of positive female voices for us men. We don't always get it. So when we can get it, it's something to enjoy. So I will leave you with this. I usually leave you with a quote, but this time I'm not. I'm going to ask our guest, Carla, if you would give us some nice positive words for our men who are listening. Before I pass it off to you, thank you for doing the podcast. I really appreciate it. I am done speaking. Carla, I leave it to you. And guys, I will see you tomorrow. Thank you for the space, Harvey. So um, my quote and my message to the men out there is, um, you are doing better than you think you are. Listen to your heart. Notice the words that you tell yourself and that they aren't always true. And you can always make a choice at any point to be the father that you want to be.